That's in the Bible, episode 14. What is the doctrine of the great deep? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. And welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric, and joining me today are Steve and Matthew. How are you guys doing? Doing real good. And uh, I have to laugh a little bit because we just did this about three seconds ago, and I had the recorder on pause. <laughs> so Steve and Matthew are being very patient. Uh, some sometimes I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm doing three things at once, and. Uh, None of them. He's making excuses, Matt. He's making excuses. Well, I, I was, I was going to say I'm doing three things at once, and none of them very well. So, <laughs> so it's I a was, good thing we have the Holy Spirit, Eric, and then you know, <laughs> yeah. we're patient with all men. Amen. That's right, because uh, I haven't reached sinless perfection yet. Yeah, well, one day. I mean, one day. As to that, that's for sure. These <laughs> <Guys> are rough. <laughs> You're brutal tonight, man. <laughs> man, these guys are rough. So what's new with you guys? Not much. Uh, we just went uh, door knocking uh, uh, my church. We went uh, Thursday night. So uh, on Thursday nights we go out and uh, try and reach the lost, try and reach uh, the community for the Lord. And, and uh, you know, the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, uh, you know, that's what we try and do. We try and uh, serve the Lord. And it was just a blessing. It was a blessing to be able to talk to some people. I mean, you know, it's just amazing when you actually get out there and you see really how many people really don't, think about their eternal destiny you know where their soul is going to end up and uh, just to see some of the you know people's eyes open up a little bit you know and and uh, so we had a blessing we, we talked to a man that uh, he's being worked on by the seventh day Adventists, and and actually the man that i was out uh, soul winning with uh, today brother gary he uh he was actually in the seventh day Adventist uh religion for a while and uh, so it was a blessing to be able to hear them go back and forth and, and be able to say, listen, I was in that, you know, that, that for a while until I uh, saw my need for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that, that uh, salvation uh, isn't through a church or an organization or anything, but in the relationship with Jesus Christ. So, so it was a blessing. It was a great time to go out again uh, and uh, just try and reach the lost. Amen. Amen. I had a blessing uh, today. A fellow that I work with... Uh, uh, came up to me and told me that he had trusted the Lord uh, at another location. Somebody else had uh, dealt with him about his soul, and, and he was real anxious to, you know, the, the shocking thing is normally when you get somebody that, that's, that gets saved, they, you know, they kind of clam up. They don't want to say anything, but he sought me out and, and told me how it all happened, and, and uh, there are a couple other guys that go to my church that work in the same place I do, and uh, he was telling the fellow that led him to the Lord, he says, hey, you know, where I work, I got a couple of guys that are that are born-agains over there, you know, one of these born-again guys, you know. And <laughs> he said, well, that's great, that's great. Uh, all to get together sometime, blah, 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 you know, all this kind of But he was really excited that he had trusted the Lord and and uh, so, you know, offered him a Bible and, and uh, some information and uh, if he had any questions to, to ask. And, and, of course, that's always the major thing if, if someone's trusted the Lord, they need to need to learn what the Bible has, uh, what the Bible says. Uh, they need to do and and uh, just get them grounded uh, yeah. because there's so many Christians that get saved and they 
flounder and they wander and and uh, you know they just get kind of get lost in the shuffle and they never get it, get things established and they never quite get on track for Jesus Christ and and uh, just as important as as leading someone to the Lord is discipling them so praise the Lord for his soul and uh, his soul salvation and and uh, really excited about that Amen. It's it's always a blessing to, uh, especially when you see somebody that you know. A lot of times you hear a lot of people say you know they've accepted Christ as their savior, and and man, you don't see a change or right. or uh, you know you don't see just that fire and that light up in their eye when they get born again. You know, and and what a blessing it is just to see you know and hear about somebody that's just uh, excited about you know uh, being saved and being born again. That's 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 great. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Well, I've had a busy week at uh, at a church I attend here at uh, in Vestal, New York, Tri City Baptist Church, and had a missions conference. So we had uh, let's see, we had Pastor Steve Messer, who has started a work out in Las Vegas, Sin City itself, and uh, he preached several several messages. And we also had uh, John Sasser, who's uh, called to be a missionary to the Jewish people, and. Uh, it was really good and and one of the things that was good is that you know it was church every night (laughs) every night preaching every night so it was sunday in the morning sunday evening then it was um, monday evening tuesday evening wednesday evening and you know i there's no time i'd go to work come home read a little bit pray a little bit and uh go to church come back grab something eat real quick try and and i also do the website for the church try and get put up the messages you know, go to bed, get up in the morning. And, uh, you know, the, the scripture that talks about denying yourself yep. and just, you know, uh, that's all I was getting was, was, you know, doing my job at work, coming home, reading a little bit, praying, going, going to church and, uh, boy, you just feel so much better. Oh yeah. You know, it's, uh, and so tonight it's Thursday night. This is the first night in what, four days since I haven't sat under preaching and I'm like, Hmm. I miss it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, most people today would would think uh, you know somebody doing that, and they're going, "Oh, what would you want to waste that much time for?" You know, yeah. obviously, it's not a waste of time. Uh, and for all of those people that think that living a Christian life is a boring life, uh, they really don't know what they're talking about because it's it's exciting, and the soul Amen. gets fed, and it just it blossoms, it blooms, and uh, in fact, it, there was a church uh, down around Fredonia, uh, probably about 45 minutes south of Buffalo, and uh, some of my family uh, were uh, going down to a couple of meetings on, on Monday and Tuesday and went down and uh, had some, uh, my wife and a couple of my kids went down there and they, they really enjoyed it, had a good time uh, getting preached at, getting blistered, getting their, <laughs> their hide tanned with the preaching of the hmm. Word of God. And, Amen. And uh, while I was up in Attica doing some things up there, teaching a, a Baptist Bible study on Monday, and uh, it was just getting fed the Word of God. There's nothing like it. I mean, Amen. just nothing like it. It uh, cleanses the heart, cleanses the soul, and uh, you know, just lets you know that you're in right favor with God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, you know, for me, it was good because I didn't have time to. Uh, to, to think about anything else. Yeah. And so just thinking about, about the Lord and, and, uh, you know, his word and just kind of being saturated in that for, you know, it's almost like, um, what they would call an antioxidant. 
you know <laughs> how they have the antioxidant grape juice and whatever the stuff yeah. is you know it's kind of the same thing it just kind of like cleanses all that pollution from the world that that even just the day-to-day stuff that you know that that you're bombarded with that you know i was being bombarded with the gospel and with the word and and uh yeah. preaching and being in fellowship with other christians and and uh it's good i feel a little i feel a little uh out of place tonight you know <laughs> so yeah I mean, that's why, you know, I even talk to people, they're like, you go to more, uh, more than one service, you know, a week. <laughs> and, you know, you tell them you go to Sunday night service and uh, Wednesday service. And yeah, when you have those specials and, and uh, just the revivals and stuff, it's just a blessing. And, and it's true. I mean, you know, when David says in Psalm 119, uh, one, uh, in verse 11, he says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking, taking heed thereto according to thy word? I mean, it's true, uh, Eric, when you get into this word and, and especially when you go in fellowship with other believers and, and uh, you know, get this word uh, preached at you, you know, I mean, you get cleansed uh, and, and what a good feeling that is. You know, you just feel refreshed and you, and you just feel, uh, you know, that you can, you know, finally come again to the Lord and, and be like, Lord, you know, uh, just what a blessing it is to be a, a, a creature of God. Amen. You know? yeah, amen. amen. And I think there's two things about that also is that if you're lost— and, you know, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, you in your picture of church is dry, dull, and boring. And I can see how you we would think, oh, that's got to be terrible, you know. <laughs> and and for even those that that might be saved, that might be Christians, if they're not attending a, a Bible believing church, you know, that that also could be very difficult to yeah. to sit through if it's all kind of traditions and you know things like that. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, anything else? No, can't think of anything. All right. Well, we've got a, a great topic tonight. It's the adoption of the great deep. And uh, this is one that that um, actually Steve went over with me. Uh, I don't know if we've ever mentioned it, but Steve, uh, you're responsible <laughs> for discipling me yes, many years, many years ago. And, uh, and for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, so 20 plus years ago that we went over the doctrine of the great deep and it's always, uh, it's one of those, it's, it's probably not the, uh, the first uh, thing you're going to, to, to talk about to, to a new Christian. And if you're tuning in tonight, this may be mind blowing, but it also may, may pique your interest and your curiosity if you're, this is going to be for your, your first podcast that you're hearing this evening. And, and for those of you that have listened and especially for those that are saved, I think you're going to, uh, you're going to, to to find a lot here to chew on and to to listen to probably several times and and take some notes and search it again out for yourself. But before we do that, let's go to our feature. One of the features that we have here it's, uh, that's in the Bible, and it's the quote of the day. Well, the quote of the day uh, it's an inscription actually that's found on a granite memorial at the grave of George Washington. In Mount Vernon and it says this about George Washington quote a sincere Christian doing in all things the will of his master and resting his hope of eternal happiness alone on the righteousness of Jesus Christ unquote and that was actually written by Mrs. John Washington the wife of George's nephew and if you visit George Washington's um, Memorial or there's grave, you'll you'll find that uh, inscription right there. What do you guys? Any comments on that? 
Well, yeah, that uh, you know the obvious one comes up. You know, all those people that have uh, given their revisionist history on the United States and on our founding fathers. That really doesn't sound like the testimony of a of a deist. <laughs> no, yeah. not, a, not at all. Can you can you even? I can't even imagine. You know, any anyone allowing an inscription like that to be placed? You know, in in Washington. Yeah. Well, well actually, I'm, where is Mount Vernon? It's outside of Washington D.C., I believe. Maryland, I believe. I think it uh, is it Maryland or Virginia. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I'll Google it to be sure. Yeah, but can you? You know, they're 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 bent on removing all, you know, references to God and and uh, you know to to everything. So that's a concern. Yeah, and you know, I mean, when you truly get saved and you and you get the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of you. Um, you know, it talks about the comforter, you know, when Jesus Christ was still on this earth and he was trying to comfort his apostles and, and, and the other disciples and saying, listen, you know, when I, when I get crucified, you know, that's what's going to happen. You know, that's what the prophet said was going to happen. And, but there's going to be a, you know, it's, it's needful that I leave, uh, because the comfort is going to come to you. And he said that the comforter is going to testify of him. You know, the, the, the Holy Spirit's not going to testify himself. And I think, you know, this just shows us that, you know, John Washington, uh, uh, George Washington, and, and also uh, here, Mrs. Uh, John Washington, I mean, you can see this is just one of the fruits of uh, her being spirit-filled. You know, uh, when you see that she says, trusting alone on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just putting Jesus Christ in the forefront and up on the high throne, you know, and saying it's only Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what uh, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do, would testify uh, you know, of, of, uh, of himself, you know, and, and we see that if you look in John chapter 16 and, uh, and let's see here, uh, in verse 13, it says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you in all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever, whatsoever he shall, uh, whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. I mean, you see this, uh, on that, gravestone of George Washington, uh, not the gravestone, but on that uh, a memorial there um, of that written about Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just glorifying the Lord right there. And, and what a testimony that is to people just walking by and seeing that. And uh, just, uh, you know, I'm sure that's really laid a lot of seed and watered a lot of seeds for a lot of people that have walked by. Amen. Yeah, amen. Amen. And uh, just to for complete this... Um Mount Vernon is located near Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. It is the plantation home of the first president of the United States, George Washington. All right. Well, let's go ahead and um, get right into our study tonight on the doctrine of the great deep. Take it away, Steve. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, Matt, I don't know uh, if this is going to be one of the short ones or the long ones. Uh, <laughs> we, we keep going back and forth on this thing, and we keep trying to make it short. But uh, you know, there's a lot of information on this, and and uh, I hope people will uh, be patient. You know, there is a pause button on the uh, website where if you have to go and do something else, uh, obviously hit that, and it'll come back to where you were. But you know, to get into this topic uh you know a lot of people have never heard of the doctrine of the great deep and and um 
you know, it's it's not something that's going to quote, you know, help you live for Jesus tomorrow. But what it is is going to let you know that this book is supernatural. Amen. That this book is alive. That uh, this book has more in it than than just a bunch of do's and don'ts. That this book uh, is uh, a scientific book written by God to uh, tell us interesting facts and. Not only that, but to show how complex he can be. Uh, and uh, hopefully through this study I can kind of get some of those things across. I'm sure, and, and I'll make mention of it as we go through, but I'm sure that there are questions that you must ask yourself uh, when you read the Bible. If you do, uh, you know, if you're, if, if you're alive and conscious when you're reading the Bible, there has to be questions that you ask. And this doctrine will help answer some of those questions that you might have asked yourself. I know it certainly did for me. Now, some time ago, I'm thinking, I was trying to remember before we started uh, when this uh, situation occurred. Uh, It has to be at least six months to nine months ago. I was uh, thumbing through the the remote and, and happened upon PBS and they were doing a special on the Mars rover. And uh, the scientists were all excited when they were examining some of the things that they found, that they were able to pick up off of the surface. And one of the things that they, they thought they found was some ice, indicating that there was water uh, there on Mars. And I believe, if I remember correctly from the broadcast, that their premise of that, if they could find water on Mars, they could prove that there is life in other places besides the Earth. And if there's life in other places besides the Earth, then their theory of evolution uh, and the Big Bang would be correct. And that was the premise. That's what they were trying to get across and trying to prove. And uh, so... That kind of had a, a little bit of a tie-in. You'll, you'll see what I mean in a minute. Uh, but in regards to the Big Bang, a, a, a very dear friend of mine was working with a couple of guys, and they were talking about the Big Bang and, and how it all happened and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, they know he's a Christian. And he, and he pipes into the conversation. He goes, you know, you know, I believe in the Big Bang. And they go, what? Really? You? You believe in the Big Bang? He said, yeah, I believe in the Big Bang. I just believe it happens at the end and not the beginning. Amen. And he quoted the verse to him in Second Peter chapter 3, and it says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. That's what it's going to end up, and it's going to be a big bang at the end. Of course, the guys didn't really like that 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 addition to <laughs> their conversation. They were they're more interested in trying to find the Big Bang at the beginning. But I, I really enjoy my brother in the Lord, Peter, that uh, he, like me, he likes to stick his nose in there and just come out ringing. So praise the Lord for that. Um, there is water out there 
out in the universe, and just to let the scientists know that there is, there is, but uh, whether they find it or not, uh, and doesn't really matter because they'll come to the wrong conclusions anyway. They're looking at it from a purely anti-God uh, perspective, <clears throat> and so they, they won't, if they do find it, they'll come to the wrong conclusions. The Bible has had it recorded for thousands of years. Detailed information about this water that is out there in the universe. And what you think of it uh, is dependent upon whether you believe what you read. Whether you believe what the Bible says. That's going to depend whether you believe it or not. This... Uh, this not only goes for the scientists, but it also goes to the religious scholars who choose to reject the literal interpretation of Scripture and rather choose to uh, believe the allegorical interpretation of Scripture. <clears throat> now, what we're going to do is we're going to go through a lot of Scripture, and I hope you'll be patient, and I hope you'll take your Bible and take a look at these things, because it's very important that you, that you read what's there. Because it's just going to be in plain English, folks. Take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Get there at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Let's read verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. <laughs> And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, it says in another place, I believe it's in Peter, talks about uh, the earth being in the water and out of the water. And I believe that's what the original creation was there in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, when God created the heaven and the earth. Now get this picture in your mind, take a big big uh, tub of water, and you take a, a, a basketball or, or a rubber ball of some sort, and you put it in the water, and half of it is submerged, and half of it is on top of the water. It is in the water and out of the water, and that's what the earth was like when it was first created. <clears throat> and then some catastrophe took place. I believe that catastrophe that it's talking about is found in, in Isaiah chapter 14 and Isaiah chapter or Ezekiel chapter 28 when the rebellion of Satan and the angels or the sons of God followed him. Now, you see that catastrophe in verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That face of the deep, that face of the deep is water, and we'll see that more clearly, but you see that there is a description of that in, in the remainder of that verse. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, the waters e being equal to the deep. Now, um, in, uh, uh, I believe, Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 31, God recreates the heaven and the earth in six evenings and six mornings. So what you have is God creating the heaven and the earth. And uh, uh, God is up there with the sons of God. 
In fact, if you want to see those, take a look in, in um, Job chapter 38. Go to Job chapter 38. We'll see those. We'll come back to this scripture a little bit later. But I just want you to see it so that you understand what we're talking about. <clears throat> Job chapter 38. Now, you have to understand what's taking place in Job 38. From this time, uh, before this time, Job is being accused by his three miserable comforters that he has done something wrong. And Job is, has tried to defend himself. And in fact, in some cases, he's, he's kind of challenged God to come face to face and, and present the things that he's done wrong and tell him why he's done this thing. And I'll defend my case and I'll stand up and tell God why this is unjust and so forth and so on. In Job chapter 38, the Lord answers Job. In verse 1 it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel uh, by words without knowledge? <laughs> Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. <laughs> I can imagine, I, I, I picture a D.I. screaming in the face of a, of a recruit, and the Lord's demanding an answer. Where was thou when I, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched out the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? And who hath laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You know what the context is? It's the creation of the earth. And the sons of God are there, and they're shouting for joy. They're there before God ever does create the, the heaven and the earth, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And they're there. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter, chapter 1. <clears throat> like I said, God created the heaven and the earth. And those sons of God were up there with him, and there was someone up there called the anointed cherub, Ezekiel chapter 28. He was the cherub that covered the throne. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14 that he was lifted up with pride and he rebelled against God and he wanted to sit on the mount of the congregation. He wanted to be God himself. He wanted to be like the Most High. And so he rebelled against God and he drew some of the sons of God with him and God cast them down. And uh, I believe that's the catastrophe that takes place in verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then all of a sudden, in six evenings and six mornings, God recreates the earth. Now, I know that there are a lot of people that, that are against this, those people that are, that are listening to these creationists and, uh, 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 oh, Ken Ham and uh, Ken Hovind and some of these other guys, and, and they're all against the gap and so forth because they're, they're defending the young earth. I believe in a young earth. I believe it's 6,000 years old. I believe its, it's total age is going to be 7,000 years and God's going to melt it with fervent heat. I have no problem with that. I have no problem in believing that there were dinosaurs then as there probably are now. I have no problem with that either. If you... Just think about it, and this is a bunny trail, and I'm sorry I'm getting off when I was talking to myself. I was gonna, not going to get involved in the bunny trails. But, but think of this. Where do you put the fall of Satan if it doesn't happen before Adam and Eve are created? Where do you find it? 
You don't find it anywhere in there. When he creates and puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, there is already the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There ha- there's already evil to choose. And obviously the serpent comes and tempts him. So he's already fallen. Where do you place that? You don't find anything written that is going to give you any indication that it happened in any one of the six days. You do have an indication that the earth is without form and void and darkness is upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So he's recreated it. Now take a look in verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So what you have is you have this earth now being submerged in this water. And God in his recreation, after he's created light, or God said, let there be light, and there was light, the next thing he does is he takes and makes a firmament. If you think of the firmament, think of it as an empty place, just empty. And he divides the water from under and below, or above, and he puts the earth in between. That earth is in between. There's water above the firmament and water below the firmament. So there's space. If you want to know where that, where that go, leads to, take a look in verse 14. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So on the fourth day, mind you, the fourth day, he fills that firmament and he fills it with stars and he fills it with the moon and he fills it with with the sun and he fills it with galaxies and nebulas and all of that kind of stuff. He fills that empty space with all of these things. And what does he say? There's water above the firmament. So all of those things take place there. And he gathers the waters under the firmament, which we'll get to in a minute, but there's another heaven there. And he gathers those things together and he calls them seas. Now, just as a sidelight, just to kind of give you a glimpse of how awesome God is, What was the first day? God said, let there be light, and there was light. The second day, he divides the waters, and he makes an empty space in there, and he just leaves it empty. And the earth is in that empty space. On the third day, what does he do? He makes grass, and trees, and flowers, and shrubbery, and all of that stuff. And he puts it there. And it's there, without the sun. No photosynthesis to, to work on things or anything else. The, all of those plants are there without the sun, and they're alive. Then on the fourth day, he creates the sun, and all of those cycles begin to take place. But isn't it amazing that he can put something there that in our lifetime right now, in the day and age that we live in, it is absolutely necessary. If the sun were to go out, If the sun were to go out, there wouldn't be anything living, green or anything, on this earth. It would be a frozen wasteland. 
in a matter of seconds. But here he creates all that greenery, and he leaves it there. And then he creates the sun on the, on the fourth day. Just an interesting sidelight that takes place. I just wanted to show you the awesomeness of God. Now the otter, water, I'm sorry, the otter, the water is out there, and it's not vapor. But where is it? Where is it? Now take a look in your Bible and go to Psalm 148. Psalm 148. Psalm 148, let's begin in verse uh, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. Praise ye Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all ye stars of light. Praise ye Him, uh, praise him ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Waters that be above the heavens. Now notice what he said there. He said heavens. Now go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. You ask me why there, I believe in a recreation? One of these things right here. It says in verse 1, and in, the, in the beginning God created the heaven and the the earth. Now, again, I believe the catastrophe takes place. He recreates it from verse 3 to verse 31. And then notice what it says in verse 2 of chapter, or verse 1 of chapter 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Notice there's more than one heaven. There's more than one heaven. Now, Let's find out how many heavens there are. Go to, go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If they're plural, there's obviously got to be more than one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Get there in a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's take a look at verse 1. It is not expedient for me to... Uh, 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 for me doubtless to glory I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago whether in the body I cannot tell whether out of the body I cannot tell God knoweth such an one was caught up to the third heaven now see this is where it comes down the Bible says third heaven are you going to believe that or not It says third heaven. And that third heaven is where God dwells. That's where his throne is. All right, let's go back to Genesis chapter, uh, chapter, uh, oh, chapter 1. We already saw that in Genesis chapter 2 and one, verse 1 where it says heavens. We saw there in, in 2 Corinthians that I believe that was the Apostle Paul when he was stoned. And uh, he was caught up to the third heaven, and, and uh, God said, you got to go back down. I think that's why he went back into the city to get stoned again, so that he, <laughs> so that he could die and <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, notice what it says in, in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 1. Take a look in verse 14. 
And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven. So those lights are the sun and the moon. This is interplanetary space. And there are, there's a heaven there. That's not the third heaven where God dwells. That's another heaven. And I'll take a look in, uh, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life and the fowl that fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Now, where the birds fly is in our atmosphere. That is called heaven. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is the interplanetary space where the sun, the moon, the stars are. And the third heaven is where God dwells. Now, notice what we read about there in Psalm 148. And he says, And ye waters that be above the heavens. So it's not above the third heaven, but it would be above the first and second heaven. So somewhere out there beyond the second heaven, beyond all the galaxies and the nebulas and all of those things out there, there is a body of water that makes the Pacific Ocean look like a drop in the ocean. It is a huge, huge, huge body of water. And it separates the second heaven from the third heaven. And uh, want to find out a little bit more about that water. Now go to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. We're going to get some details here. Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, take a look in verse 4. Who hath ascended into heaven, or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Well, obviously that would be the Lord. Who hath, who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Now, it's talking about a body of water, and he's wrapped it in a garment. Now, you're saying, well, you know, that could be the oceans, so forth and so on. Well, let's check some more scriptures and see if that really is the ocean. Go to, uh, go to Proverbs. Now, notice what it says there. He says he bound the waters in a garment, in a garment. All right, let's go to um, Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, let's begin in verse 23. Now this is talking about wisdom. It could also be a reference of Jesus Christ. But in the direct context, it's talking about wisdom. Verse 23, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. <clears throat> when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, while as yet I had he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest parts of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, 
when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea, gave to the uh, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Now, he set waters up there. Talked about those waters being up there. Um, oh, prepared heaven. Set the compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above, when he, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. Now you still say, well, that could be the oceans and so forth. All right, let's keep going. Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. I contend that it is the water that's up there above the second heaven, and he has put clouds to hold it back and keep it from being poured out all over the universe. Job chapter 38, take a look in verse, in verse uh, 8. In verse 8, Job chapter 38, verse 8. Or who has shut up the sea with doors when it breaketh forth as if it were issued out of the womb? When I made the clouds the garment thereof and thick darkness as swaddling bands for it and break up uh, for it uh, my decree, uh, decreed place and set bars and doors and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, uh, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since the days have caused the day spring to know his place? <clears throat> those are talking about those clouds holding back and, those, and, it, and, and the clouds, uh, the garment thereof. Talking about that garment holding that thing up. I go to a Go to another place. Go to Job chapter 26. Job chapter 26. Job chapter 26. Take a look in verse 5. Job chapter 26. Let me get it here. Job chapter 26 and verse 5. Dead things are formed from under the waters, and the inhabitants thereof. Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no covering. He stretched out the north over the empty place, and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He bindeth up the waters with thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne. He spreadeth the cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. That's when time stops. When time stops. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divided the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Now notice everything we've talked about up there in this context is talking about in heaven. It's not on earth. Those waters are not on earth. And he talks about the cloud not being rent under them. He talks about he hangeth the earth upon nothing. Um, uh, he holdeth back the face of the throne. He spreadeth the cloud upon it. 
He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day uh, and night come to an end. Those waters are up there in heaven. And if you can picture this, the heavens are like a garment or like a curtain. You want to do a study, take your concordance and look up the word clouds, look up the word curtains, and look up the word garment, and look up the word tabernacle. And see how those things are a reference to heaven. And how those things where he talks about the heavens, and it's like a garment or like a curtain. Uh, some time ago, and I, I, I've looked for it, and I wasn't able to find it so that I could quote it to you. But I remember hearing about uh, some scientists talking about the, the, the peculiarities of the universe. And how the universe seemed to have folds like a curtain would have a fold. You know how you have draperies there that hang in front of your, your front picture window and how they have pleats in it and how they have folds in it. That's what the universe is like. That's why he likened it to curtains. That's why he likened it to a garment. There's a place, I believe, in Psalm 74 where it talks about the sides of the and God being in the north. Well, how can you have something that has sides to it and north being at the top? Well, picture it this way, if you will. Uh, picture a, a poncho, if you will, with a big hole in the top where the head goes. And that face of the deep is up there. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then all of a sudden, as that poncho spreads outward, it has folds and it has creases in it. And it's like a curtain that goes around. And it has all these folds in it. And that's what that the universe is like. It's like a garment. It's like something in a, a somewhat of a a cone type of a shape, if you picture it with folds around it. That's what the universe is shaped like, and it has sides. All those sides go up to the north. It goes to the north. Um, take a look in, uh, oh, go to Psalm 102. There's another reference in Hebrews chapter 1 that we'll get to, which kind of quotes this verse. But in Psalm 102, Take a look in verse uh, 25, 25 and 26. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but, uh, uh, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shall, uh, shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. He's likening the universe to a vesture, to a, to a garment. That's where I was getting some of those things from. Now, I'm not just talking out of the top of my hat here. Hebrews chapter 1, take a look in verse 10. And thou, Lord, uh, in the in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands, quoting uh, Psalm 102, and they shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax uh, shall wax old as doth the garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, and thou shall uh, and thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Now, what I believe takes place there is what we talked about the, at, the, at the very beginning, where the, uh, uh, the day of the Lord shall come, and uh, uh, he'll come as a thief in the night, 
and uh, uh, the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and uh, the earth shall pass away with a great noise, or the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. I believe that's what's going to happen with that thing. He's going to create all things new after he destroys it. <clears throat> now, some, some other details. Take a look again in Job chapter 41. Job chapter 41. Some details about this deep. Remember the deep, the word we used was the deep. They're found in, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Job chapter 41. Take a look in verse, uh, verse 31. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. Uh, so he's got this thing in it, and uh, whatever this thing is, and we're going to get back to it a little bit later, but he maketh the deep to boil like a pot. Now go to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38, take a look in verse 29. Job uh, uh, 38, verse 29. Out of whose womb came the ice? He's asking another question here. Remember how uh, God is asking Job questions? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoarfrost of heaven? And who hath garnered it, or gendered it, I'm sorry? And the waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Now, it says the face of the deep is frozen. It didn't say all of the deep was frozen. Frozen. It just said the face of the deep was frozen. Now go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 4. Remember what, he, what God describes the streets of gold like? Gold. And he says there will be like transparent glass. Now these aren't streets, but this is the face of the deep. And he says it's frozen. In Revelation chapter 4, I'll get there in a minute, my Bible's turning slow. Revelation chapter 4. Now, just, let's just get a context here. Take a look at verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet uh, talking with me, which say, uh, said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat on the throne was to look upon like a jasper and a sapphire stone. <clears throat> and there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed uh, in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the crowns proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. And there were seven lamps of burning fire upon the, uh, before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass likened a crystal. In the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now that sea of glass is like something that could be 
frozen, if you will. Take a look in Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15. It says this in verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, and in them is filled filled up with the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And uh, them had gotten uh, that had gotten the victory over the beast and over the image and the mark and so forth and so on. <clears throat> Notice it says it was a sea of glass mingled with fire. Now what I want to do is I want to draw your attention back to Job chapter 41. You don't have to go there, but let me read it to you. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. He maketh the path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary or to be frozen. So he makes the deep to boil like a pot, yet it's frozen. It's frozen. And that would coincide with what we just saw here in Revelation chapter 15. I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. So you have the sea of glass up there in heaven. The throne is up there, and it's and it's uh, frozen up there, and God's throne is sitting upon that throne, upon that sea of glass. Now all this information, we pull all this information. You have uh, a, a, a body of water up there that God takes the earth after the original creation, and he submerges it. Then he decides to recreate the earth in six evenings and six mornings, and he separates it with the firmament. He fills that firmament on the fourth day with the sun and the moon and the stars. He also divides the water under the firmament, under the first heaven, and he calls those waters seas. And uh, uh, he gets out there, and and all this deep is, is surrounded by clouds and thick darkness. You notice that light that's there in Genesis chapter 1 uh, and verse 3. And God said, let there be light. Now, you know, a lot of people are going to say a lot of things about that. I'm just going to tell you what I personally believe. The Bible says God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. I think God chose to manifest Himself to this created earth that He just created, the created universe, as light. And then all of a sudden he realized that he had to cover that light. He had to shade that light. So he put a thick darkness underneath it. You read in other places where God travels with clouds. You remember when he came down on the mountain there in Mount Sinai. You know what he did? He covered the mountain with thick clouds so they wouldn't be able to see him. So his light would not penetrate and destroy all of those that were there on the earth. He covers himself with clouds. So his throne is covered up there. And uh, you have all this stuff taking place, and, and uh, he has windows, and he has doors, and he has bars, and he has swaddling bands that hold back that water from being poured out. Now, all of this information has a great deal to answer some of the questions that you and I, at least I did, and I presume that you did. Where did all the water come from? when God flooded out the earth. Where did all that water come from? Now let's take and let the Scripture speak for itself. Go to Genesis chapter uh, 7. Go to Genesis chapter 7. 
Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. Oh, where do we want to start? Verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, and the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Now you know what that deep is? That's the same deep that you found in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 that is talking about water. And it's being held back and covered up. That water, that deep was broken up and the waters came down. That water came down in such a way that it covered the highest parts of the earth. You know, some people say, well, it was just hills. Now, if it was just hills, why did God say this in verse 4 of, of Gen Genesis chapter 8? It says, and the ark rested on the seventh month in the, in the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. They weren't just hills. They were mountains. And you know what it says there? In, uh, take a look in chapter 7 and verse 19. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the earth prevail over the mountains and the mountains were covered. You realize 15 cubits, I don't remember how, how far a cubit is, but uh, 15 cubits, if I remember right, well, I'm, my memory is coming back, 15 cubits is about 18 inches, so you have 15 times 18, Matt, whatever that is, I'm going to put you on the spot, you figure that out, tell me <laughs> how many feet above the, above the highest mountain of the earth is covered with water. And it stayed on the earth for 150 days. 150 days. And then go to Genesis chapter 8, and verse 1. And God remembered Noah in every living thing, in all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters a sage, and the fountains also of the deep, and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. So that water came from heaven. Now notice verse 3. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. Do you realize that God opened up the windows of heaven again while he stopped the, stopped the rain but then all of a sudden, all of those waters were abated off of heaven. He took it off of the earth. I believe it went back up to the deep. You may argue with me on that, but I believe he took it back up to the deep. And all of those waters were abated off of the earth. And those seas were gathered together. Now, this leads us to, to one more detail. What is in the deep? Go to Job chapter... Uh, we talked about the sons of God before in Job chapter 38. And those fallen angels uh, of God get into mischief in John or Genesis chapter 6. 
And the next time you fall on those, those sons of God, those fallen angels, they show up in Job chapter 1 and chapter 2. And you know who they show up with? They show up with Satan. And what does it say? Go to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. In verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Uh, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. So he was there in earth, but then he's presenting himself before the Lord. How is he presenting himself before the Lord? Can he be there at the throne room, in the throne room, in the third heaven? I don't think so. God's place of, of heaven is holy. There's no sin that enters in there. There's no wickedness. So you have Satan and the sons of God presenting themselves before the Lord. How do they present themselves? I believe they present themselves under that sea of glass, that deep that's frozen. The face of it is frozen. And they have that conversation underneath there. So they're in that body of water, and they're looking up underneath that uh, water, and they're looking up to the throne, and they're having a conversation with God. That happens also in in Job chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, with that being said, let's go back to Job chapter 41. Job chapter 41. God gives us a very detailed description of a creature. A creature called Leviathan. Now, scholars have got all kinds of things that they try to say that this Leviathan is. Some say he's a hippopotamus. Some say he's an elephant. Some say he's a crocodile. Uh, You know, there's just certain things in this, and I'm not going to take the time to read it because we've been going long anyway. But you're talking about this. Take a look. This is, again, God, uh, 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 I'm sorry, verse 41, chapter 41. This is God talking to to, uh, Job again. He says there in verse 1, he says, Canst thou draw Leviathan with a hook? Now, all of these things he's going to say, the answer is no. The obvious answer is no. So he says, canst thou draw Leviathan with a hook? Or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose? Or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he uh, make a covenant with thee? Wilt thou take him for a servant forever? (laughs) No. (laughs) Wilt thou play with him as with a bird? Or wilt thou bind him uh, for thy maidens? Shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall they uh, part him among the, the merchants? Now, any of those beasts that we talked about that the scholars think he is would be a yes. But the obvious answer is no. Canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons, or his head with fish spears? Lay thine hand upon him, and remember the battle. Do no more. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. 
Shall no one be cast down even at the sight of him? You, you get some description. Take a look in verse uh, thir- uh, 15. His scales are his pride, shut up together uh, as with a close seal. One is so near to the other that no air can come between them. Uh, just some of the things that are described about him. Uh, take a look in verse uh, oh, verse 18. By his kneesing, uh, that means blowing through his nose, a light doth shine. His eyes are like the, uh, the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go smoke as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth clothes of a coals, a flame goeth out of his mouth. Uh, that's nothing like what we've got here on this earth. Now notice again what it says there in verse 31. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. He maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary. Upon the earth there is not his like he is made without fear. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Now, you know who that sounds like? That sounds like the devil. That sounds like, the, uh, sounds like Satan. Now, notice what his name is. They call him Leviathan. They call him Leviathan. Now, go to Isaiah chapter Isaiah chapter 26. You're breaking up a little bit there, Steve. Isaiah what? Isaiah chapter 26. Is that any better? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were for a little moment, until the indignation be passed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their, iniqu- uh, for their iniquity. The earth also shall di- disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. What you're reading about is the Lord's return at the, uh, uh, great tribula- in the Great Tribulation. Go to verse 20, uh, chapter 27, verse 1. In that day... It's continuation of chapter 26. In that day, the Lord, with his sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing servant, even Leviathan, the crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Now, you know, those people of old time, Columbus Day, they read this verse and they thought there were sea monsters out in the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about that serpent that is in the sea. And notice the description. It says a piercing serpent. It says a crooked serpent. It says a dragon. It says a dragon. Now go take your Bible and go to Revelation chapter 12. We're taking Scripture with Scripture, verse by verse, and letting the Bible speak for itself. In Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, this woman here is a description of the nation of Israel. 
in the time of the tribulation. tribulation, is there in verse 1. And there shall appear a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, uh, uh, cried, <clears throat> travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven. If you go back to Revelation chapter 1, you'll find out who those stars are. Those stars are angels. And he and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now go drop down to verse 7. And there was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which delivereth, the, deceiveth, I'm sorry, the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Now, despite of what people had concepts of Satan, being a horned, uh, spiked tail, pitchfork, down in hell, that's not where Satan's at. Notice it says that he gives a description of him, calls him a serpent, calls him a dragon, <clears throat> and he's cast down to the earth. Where does that mean that he is? That means he's up there in heaven, or he's up there in a body of water. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He's up there in the deep. He's up there in that body of water. And when, he, when the Lord comes through, when he takes Leviathan, that strong sword, shall pierce or punish Leviathan, that piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and shall slay the dragon in the sea. He's talking about taking Leviathan out up there. Now, just give you another something to, to really to chew on. And this one you'll have to just trust what the Bible says. But go to Psalm chapter 74. Psalm 74. <clears throat> Remember the dragon is up there. He's in that body of water. Take a look at verse 13. Psalm 74, verse 13 and 14. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragon in the waters. Thou breakest the head of Leviathan in pieces. And notice what it says. And gavest him to be meat, food, to the people inhabiting the wilderness. You wonder where the manna came from? And he fed the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness? That came from one of the heads of Leviathan. You know what he's going to do to the children of Israel in the, in the tribulation when they're fleeing from the Antichrist? Notice it says heads there. He's going to feed the children again in the wilderness, there in, in the tribulation with one of the heads 
of Leviathan. Now, I'm not making that up. That's what it says right there in Scripture. You know, the problem with people is they don't want to take the Word of God literally. They find something that's hard to imagine. It's hard for them to grasp a hold of. And so they allegorize it. They, they make it mean something so it, it's kind of an illustration or a picture of something. Now, where you get uh, allegories or, or things where you, where you have to, cannot take it literally, are things like this. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. Well, Jesus Christ is not a literal door. So you have to take that figuratively. Uh, Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. Well, he's not the sun. Even though we call him the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness, he's not that physical sun out there. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we can take figuratively when it's impossible to take literally. But if it's anywhere possible at all, I mean, it talks about cherubs. And it gives a really strange description of those cherubs. I believe that literally. I believe those cherub are those four beasts that are around the throne in Revelation chapter 4. You know, there are a lot of strange things. You know, if you want to talk about strange things, have you seen some of the creatures God created and put down at the bottom of the ocean? I mean, there are some really weird, ugly-looking things that are on this earth that we're just now finding out. Why is it so impossible to think that there would be a dragon out in a body of water that's beyond the first and second heaven that God has created that is a spiritual being that is of the reptilian class of which the serpent in the garden would fulfill? And all of these things take place. Why is it so impossible to believe those things? Do you realize that this story, that what we've just talked about, is pictured in type by what we see take place to the children of Israel in the wilderness as they're let go out of, out of Egypt and they go to cross the Red Sea. This is a picture of it. You know what the type of Egypt is in the Bible? It's a type of the world. You know who Pharaoh is a type of in the Bible? He's a type of the devil. You know what Israel, according to Revelation, or not Revelation, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, they're given, uh, the nation of Israel is given for our learning, for our admonition. So he likens them to us as Christians. You know what happened when uh, God divided the Red Sea? And uh, all of a sudden the children of Israel go over on dry ground. You know what happened? Satan, or Satan, <laughs> Pharaoh followed after him and God closed up the water upon him. You know what I think was going to happen? I just, you know, you call me a liar or whatever you want. To, it doesn't matter to me. But you know what I think is going to happen when God calls us up in the rapture? He's going to split that water that's up there. And the Christians are going to go up through there simulating dark, dry ground. And I think the devil's going to come hard after it because he wants to get there. He wants to take God's place. All of a sudden, while that last Christian is kind of putzing their way up there, you know, just kind of fizzling along, because he didn't live right for God down here. I think he's just going along and just getting up there into heaven. And right before Satan gets up there, I think God closes that water back up. And that face of that deep is frozen again. And Satan's denied access into heaven. Now you think I'm crazy. Take a look in your hymn book. 
Take a look at your hymn book. When we sing about heaven, you count how many times water is talked about up there. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand. Um, uh, right now my mind is going blank, but there's all kinds of them. We shall gather at the river. Um, I should have a songbook up here. I didn't think to bring it up here with me. But you go in your hymn book and you take a look at all the references of water being up there where we're standing on a shore. We're standing on the sea. I'm, I mean, to tell you, brethren, that is talking about a water that is up there underneath the feet of God. And it's so huge it makes the Pacific Ocean look like a drop in the ocean. It is a massive amount of water. And I know that it's probably a little bit far out here, and I hope I uh, haven't lost anybody in our podcast and think, oh, that's the last time I'll listen to you guys. <laughs> but, you know, just take a look at the Scriptures. Go over them. Study it out. Pray about it. See what God have you to think about it. Thanks, guys, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steve. <clears throat> well, you know, we... There's a there's a lot there, and and one of the things that Steve said, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're listening on the web, you have the pause button so you can follow along, but you can also download this this uh, podcast. And I know some of you have subscribed. You can certainly do that through iTunes, or you can subscribe right on our page there. And by doing that, you're able to uh, have that downloaded to an MP3 player, such as an iPod, and and I would encourage you to do that. You know, that you're not tied to the computer then if you happen to have an MP3 player. Then you can listen to it, stop it, pause it, and uh, look up these references as we've gone through them. I would imagine that it, it's going to take, um, you know, more than more than one quick uh, listen through. You know, and, and the Bible talks about uh, several, you know, different divisions. It talks about the milk of the word in First Peter 2, 2, and it also talks about strong meat. And when we start talking about the doctrine of the great deep, we're, we're really talking about some more of the, the, the meat of the word. Amen. Yeah, I don't know, Steve. I think uh, you give me a run for the money right there. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> pretty link. long. One. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's a blessing. And, and just, uh, I, I mean, just in Job chapter 40 and verse 41, I mean, just seeing the, the immense size of, of uh, Leviathan, of the oh. devil. I mean, it's oh, just... Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, I don't know if you if you said it, Steve, but I mean, there's just so much. If you look in uh, Job 40 and 41 and all those verses that Steve was talking about of, of the devil, and, and you see in Job chapter 40, verse 23, it says, Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. I mean, just think about how big uh, the devil has to be. That dragon has to be up there in the water to be able to say that he can uh, drink up Jordan into his mouth. I mean... And uh, and I heard a preacher also say, if you go down to uh, Job chapter 41 and go down to verse uh, verse 12, it says, I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his comely proportion. Who can discover the face of his garment? And uh, just, just food for thought. I mean, I, I heard a preacher say one time that if God could put, take the veil over uh, off of uh, the heavens up there, and allow us to be able to see this devil, this dragon. Uh, he said, you know, he believes it would be hundreds of miles big, long. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. I mean, just to think uh, how powerful our God is that he created uh, the devil. I mean, just how amazing our God is. It's, it's just it's unbelievable. And, and to already know 
you know, that we have the victory over the devil, you know, yeah. that, that our body's already been purchased, you know, our soul's already been purchased. And uh, like, like Steve said, uh, I, I just can't imagine that one day when that sea is parted, you know, and we're, and we're heading right through. I mean, I, I have to admit it. I think I'm going to be terrified to death to see, that, <laughs> to see that big dragon on my heels, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, going out there. But man, when we see that, you know, I, like you said, Steve, I think it's going to be just like uh, the Red Sea. It's just a beautiful yeah. picture of us getting out of here and that sea closing right up again. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and then what we see is just straight ahead, just the Lord. And, uh, you know, we can not worry about uh, that old serpent anymore and the fears and and the pain of this world. And what a blessing that's going to be when that day comes. And uh, I I mean, again, we're going to have to go to the judgment seat of Christ. But what a blessing we're, you know, that that we're out of this world and and away from Satan. You know what you, you mentioned there about him drinking up a river? I didn't go to it in Revelation chapter 12, but he does do that, and he tries to flood them out. If you'll take a look further down in, in uh, Revelation chapter 12, that very thing, when the children of Israel are fleeing from the Antichrist, and the devil is after them, uh, that woman, he tries to, to drown them out with a flood, and yeah. God does something supernatural to divert that. So all of that's in there. It's Amen. all there. And you know, it... Uh it just, you know, as you read along and as you said, you know, take a look in the songbook, but also, you know, just some, some passages that it, it, it adds a little bit to them. Like, for example, in uh, Matthew four, verse 19, and he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, <laughs> yeah. here, here, here you have almost the picture of, we have that great sea and then the, you know, this little fish hook coming down through all that water and we're, you know, snatching them away through that water. He said, was, yeah, we talked about Amen. There's a lot to this book, you know, it's just oh, yeah. it's so amazing. Well, you know, there's another thing, and I didn't get into it, and, it, you know, there's so many avenues and so many bunny trails, I probably took too many of them as it is, but but in, in Hebrews chapter 8, it likens the tabernacle to the universe. And what is before the Ark of the Covenant? What is it? It's a veil. It's called a curtain. Mm-hmm. And it has that curtain that's ripply. It has the folds in it and so forth. And that separates God from his creation. And he protects it. It, it, it keeps, the, mm-hmm. uh, keeps us from being able to, to witness him you know, without the sacrifice and so forth. And that's what makes it so interesting in that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that veil was rent in twain. And Amen. we have access to him Amen. directly. So... You know, just all kinds of things in the scriptures that open up once you get some understanding of uh, some of these things that are, as Eric already said, the deep things of the Word of God. Amen. Yeah, and I mean, when, when you look, uh, I had a preacher say this uh, last week as well about, you know, when you, I believe it was a preacher I heard, maybe somebody else was talking about it, but uh you know, I like a little bit of uh, meat with my meal, a little bit of vegetables, but I also like a tall glass of milk, you know, so just have a variety and, and, you know, just what a blessing it is to still, you know, be on the sincere uh, milk of the word, but also, I mean, get some of this meat in here and just see just again, how amazing this book is. It gives, gives you something to chew on for a while, you know, and uh, yeah. come back to it. So there was a lot there and we thank you, Steve, for putting that together and, and yeah, for bringing that to us to, today. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here with the uh, doctrine of the great deep, and um, again, we invite your comments, your um, questions. You can certainly go to our website at uh, that's in the Bible 
com. And right on the, uh, actually the bottom of the, uh, the notes, the show notes for this Doctrine of the Deep, episode number 15, no, 14, Fourteen. you can uh, certainly leave a, leave a note there to Steve or Matt or myself or all of us in a question or a concern or anything that you might have. And you can also email us at uh, that's in the Bible at uh, gmail.com. And uh, we look forward to that as well. And Eric, before we forget, I just want to uh, say thank you to Debbie uh, for uh, the comment that she left, and and uh, what a blessing on the uh, the sons of God and the angels. Do angels have wings? And uh, and I just want to say that you know we'll get we'll get back to that question, and it's uh, been a long podcast, so I don't want to uh, put any more time onto it. Uh, wink, wink, uh, nudge, nudge. <laughs> but uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Thanks again for that, and what a blessing that is and uh to hear from you and and steve i know she uh she attends your church and and uh i feel sorry for her but uh <laughs> no i'm just kidding brother <laughs> but uh definitely to get back to you on that uh on that question as well so well see we, we give we give the folks their money's worth here when they tune in they they get a, a full podcast thing we don't cut any corners we, we lay it out there for them and uh this stuff that you can come back to and listen to you know again and you'll you'll be able to get to uh Maybe catch some things that you missed the first time through. Well, it's hard for something like this to do it in an abbreviated form. I mean, even that, we could have gone even longer and further and gone into more depth. And, and you know, it, it's just, I'm just still amazed at, at how amazing this book is Amen. put together. And, uh, you know, just the things, you know, like I've said before, this may not help you live for Jesus tomorrow, you know, with whatever temptation you have, but really in a sense it does because all the promises that he gives you uh, to fight the battle and, and, and live for the Lord each and every day is the same Bible that has all of this stuff in it. And it, it is just an amazing, amazing book. And the God that that did this is just a tremendous and an awesome God. And how much better to serve someone that, that is so amazing <laughs> than, you know, like I said, than just having a book that has just a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. Amen. You know, you, you get kind of bored with that. Now you've got a God that's just utterly fantastic, just completely awesome. And, and you know, he's, he's given us these things and they're, they're right there. And, and, how exciting that is to be able to to see these things, you know, that we're given that glimpse into the, into the, uh, you know, the workings of God and, and the workings of the, the heavens and the universe. And, and, and just think, just think of the things that are in the book that we don't see here, that when we get to heaven, it'll be revealed and we'll look again and go, wow, now why didn't I see that one <laughs> when, when I was there but on earth? Well, one of, one of the things is that, you know, people have to realize that this book isn't just an answer book. In other words, it's a book of study. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you've noticed how we've gone from Genesis to Revelation to Psalms to Job to Peter. You've gone all over the place and you've had to take all of these verses and connect them and find the links between them so that you can put the puzzle pieces together and make a picture. You're not going to get just get that by just reading through and uh, you know just 
by reading through and find it. You're not, you're not going to do it. You've got to study the Bible, and you've got to put those verses together. Man. And uh, when you do, the book will open up, and it'll make so much sense to you. And all of a sudden, all the things that, that once were, were mysteries and, and questions and, and like, you know, how does this fit? And how does that fit? Why does this happen? Where did this come from? All of a sudden, all these things start making sense, and then your Bible just opens up to you, and, and now God is just an amazing, awesome God. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we'll go ahead and close it out, and uh, thanks again, guys, for being here. And any thoughts on the next podcast, or do, do we leave that a mystery? I'm a little tired right now. <laughs> He's going to go take a nap. <laughs> Even though it's 12 noon here. Uh. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next time, Lord Will. Amen. All right, God bless, guys. the skies This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast.